Father, we thank you for your awesome presence with us this morning. God, we just ask that uh, you would just touch our hearts, touch our minds, speak to us from your word this morning, God. We want our steps, the things that we do, to be ordered by you. And we want to come into your plans and your purposes for our lives. So just have your way with us. Have your way in us this morning, we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of you will remember that a couple of months ago, we had uh, a couple of people, Haley and Sam Tom, were up here promoting the Smoke Free uh, campaign that they were going to be uh, doing videos for. Well, as it turned out, <coughs> I know their father. He's uh, Christian businessman, Murray Tom. Uh, Murray was a goal, Olympic gold medal winning uh, athlete in the 470 yachting. And uh, a few years ago, he gave me a uh, $160 box set of his Together album. Uh, quite a flash sort of thing. Some of you would really like to get your hands on this. Got all the classics, got all the bits and pieces in it. Really, 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 really nice. Nice album. Originally, uh, Murray Tom and Carl Doig uh, produced a series called Piano by Candlelight. And some of you older ones will, will know that. And, uh, and it was one of the really, really most successful uh, piano dinner-type music sets that had been produced uh, around the place. And they sold... Um, millions of dollars worth of uh, these CDs. But um, Murray, in life, was always looking to go to the next level. You don't become an Olympic gold medalist without challenging yourself all along the way. And so he said regarding this really, really successful album, there was only two things that he didn't like about the Piano by Candlelight. Uh, he didn't like the way it sounded, and he didn't like the way it looked. So he uh, thought to himself, okay, I'm, I'm going to re-record this and repackage it, and that's what he did. He re-recorded it, and he repackaged it into into the Together album. And it just so happens that after he released this, uh, Oprah Winfrey got a hold of a copy of this. And on her show, she gave a copy of this to everybody in the uh, studio audience. And not only that, but she told her viewers that this was her number one Christmas gift for that year. As a result, uh, in the hours following the show, Murray sold a quarter of a million products per hour. 40 million dollars worth of products an hour. Think about it. $40 million worth an hour. So, not settling for the status quo, 
seeing success as a stepping stone, not a destination. Change and innovation brought about amazing, amazing fruitfulness. What's that got to do with our message this morning? Well, we've been created to do life with God. We are supposed to know God intimately. Every one of us have been created to hear God's voice, to live an abundant life that Jesus Christ died to give us. But many of us have have settled for something less than God's best Even though God is for us, he's given us his Holy Spirit, he's made a way for us to fulfill his great plans and purposes, and despite all this, we we settle for the status quo. And so we miss out because either we don't see the possibilities in God, or we have no desire to change, or we haven't got the disciplines in our lives to put the basic Christian disciplines into action. And we're not alone in this. Uh, Paul writes to the Hebrew Christians in And he says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So this morning I want to talk about the challenge to change because if you and I are going to be effective in life, if you and I are going to become everything that God has created us to be, if we're going to live life to the full, then all of us are going to have to change. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've got to change. (laughs) Some of you spouses have been... Waiting to do that for years. Thank goodness I'm not sitting next to my wife. I'd love to tell you that you can all turn up on the altar call after this message and uh, in one prayer you'll be completely and fully changed. But the reality is that change is a lifelong process uh, that you have to take responsibility for. Uh, you've got to pursue it yourself. Change should never, ever stop. Uh, I was looking around for Colin. Colin, you need to keep changing, mate. Even though your kids have taken the chainsaw off you and won't let you do that anymore, (laughs) you still have to change. You still have to grow into things. Uh, God says, I'm the Lord I never change. The problem is, we aren't God. All right? Uh, But we've got to change if we're going to be more like him. Okay, a really key verse on this, and you should underline it in your Bibles, is 2 Peter 1, starting at verse 3. And it says a number of key things, so I'm just going to take this slowly. All right? It says... His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness 
through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. So God's, God's Holy Spirit's given us everything that we need. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in his divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just stop there. So that verse basically says that you can have uh, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, and be ineffective and unproductive. Because it says we need to have those qualities in increasing measure. In other words, they've got to be growing. They've got to be growing in our lives. So we should be able to look back over the last five years and we should be able to see that these things are growing in our lives. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fail and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So from these verses, you can see that we need to be growing in all areas, basically, of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't grow, if we don't grow then we stagnate. Healthy things grow. One of the things you find out, if, you've got, if your parents of young kids... That if you feed them, if they're healthy, what do they do? They grow. And they just keep on growing. It's just it's natural. Healthy things grow. If you're healthy, you'll grow. But growing things change. I was, uh, we were cleaning out the storeroom the other day and we came across a whole box of photographs going back um, 20, 23, 25 years in the church. And one of the amazing things, there was a photo of Penny and I there, and I'm not putting it up on the board, uh, but 23 years ago. And, um, and there was one of Paul Gordon and uh, Kerry, for those of you who know, and their kids. And I sent it to Paul and I said, hey, do you know these guys? Because they look so different. The reality is, uh, if you're growing, you're changing. Changing things challenge. How many people like change? I don't like change. That's the reality of it. I, I'm a status quo type of guy. I'd rather just leave things as they are. But the reality is, if you leave things as they are, you're not going to grow. Changing things challenge. Challenge forces us to trust God. The problems of life, the challenges of life, the changes in life, should force you into God. Trust leads to obedience. Obedience makes us healthy. Healthy things grow. So many people want to grow, 
and change, but perhaps just don't know how. So I want to just give you a couple of little pointers this morning. And the first one of these is one that we've already covered. You've got to recognize your need for change. If, if you don't think you're sick, Jesus said you won't go to a doctor. He says only the sick people go to doctors. So if you don't think you're sick, you're not going to go and get healed. Well, if you don't think you need changing, you won't look to pursue change. Uh, we've already seen that we need to change, but unless you take that thought and make it a heartfelt passion, it won't happen because change happens on the inside. Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Or as the Phillips translation um, translates that, out of the heart comes the actions of life. Our relationship with God is an inside-out relationship. Religion deals with externals. How we look, what we wear, ceremonies, do's and don'ts. Okay, But Christianity is all about our relationship with God. It's about a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, speaking, personal God. So there's a difference between the inside and the outside. I remember one of my um, uh, pastor friends, Phil Baker, telling me that one day he turned up at church. He was in the middle of a sermon and looked up onto the balcony and there was a guy with his feet up on the chairs uh, with a six-pack. And he thought, hmm, that's not normal. Uh, so he went up and talked to the guy afterwards and, of course, very, re very quickly realized that this was his first time in church. And the guy said, oh, I really love the karaoke that you started at the beginning of the service. <laughs> now, if that guy is the same in six months' time, uh, you know that there's been no change. But when the Holy Spirit gets hold of us, he works change in our, in our lives. Christianity is all about our relationship with God. It's a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, speaking, personal God. It deals with the root. It deals with the core of our being, which is our heart. And since everything flows from the heart, it's the heart that God has to change if he is to change the way we live our lives. Our heart affects the way I am, the way I think, the things I do, the person I am. Change is necessary because although we became Christians in a millisecond when we are born again through faith in Jesus Christ, we become Christ-like disciples through a lifetime of change. Some of you have probably figured out by now that I haven't arrived yet. Don't laugh. <laughs> I've made a lot of progress. Ask my wife. No, don't ask my wife. But God's still dealing with me in areas of my life. He doesn't deal with everything on the first day. Aren't you pleased with that? Uh, we are not here just to worship God. But we are here to be like him and to be changed into his likeness. Now, how many people here have got a gym membership? Put your hands up. One, two, the rest of you. I know there's some other ones who aren't going to put their hands. Yeah, yeah, there's a few. Okay. How long did it take you to join up? Probably about a minute. All right? So you can join up a gym in a minute, but it won't do you any good unless you actually... Start going to classes and do the exercises on a regular basis. 
The, the membership doesn't change you. It's the disciplines that you've got to, that the membership affords and opens up to you that are going to help you change. And it's the same with the Christian life. Yes, not quite the same. Because when you're born again of the Spirit of God, there is a change straight away. You go from darkness to light. Your eyes are open. You begin to see things in the, in the light of God's Spirit. There's a change that happens straight away. But when we're born again of the Spirit of God, we don't become like Jesus straight away. We've got to apply the disciplines of Christian life to begin to change. So we've got to position ourselves for change by being faithful in the basic Christian disciplines. Uh, last week, Pastor Tark mentioned giving, praying, fasting, reading God's Word. And when you're faithfully doing those things, you position yourself to receive from God. And, and that's so important because we can't change ourselves. We need God's help. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are thinking, well, I, I can see how prayer and fasting and reading the Word help position me, but how does being faithful and giving help? Someone's saying, it makes me broker. <laughs> no. Well, it shows that we are obedient to God's Word. It shows that we are putting God first in our lifestyle and trusting Him. And trust leads to obedience. Uh, just on that, anyone know who the person was that the Holy Spirit, uh, who was the first person, first Gentile that the Holy Spirit fell on? Who was the first Gentile that the Holy Spirit fell on? Co very good. Cornelius. Cornelius. And if you read that account in, um, in Acts, the first thing it, it says is that um, when... Peter comes to Cornelius. He says, your arms, your giving to the poor has come up before God. And I thought when I read that, wow, isn't that amazing? That God saw this Gentile's giving to the poor and therefore chose him to be the first Gentile recipient. Because the giving came out of his heart. It reflected his heart. Being faithful in basic Christian dis disciplines develops our ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, and that leads us into the plans and the purposes of God. Pastor Tark and I have, have often talked about the way when we first became Christians, how we had an all-in faith. It was God or nothing. If God wanted us to go to Ekarahuna, we would have gone to Ekarahuna. And I was talking to a um, pastor in Auckland this last Tuesday when I was down there, and they were asking me, about keys to go into the next level and how they could position themselves um, to receive God's plans and purposes for, for their life. And I, as I was talking, because it was a big question, uh, one of the first things I realized is that position, positioning comes out of faithfulness and obedience to God. I remember how when Penny and I felt that God was going to release us into leading our own church, we decided that we needed to be ready to follow God's call at a, at a moment's notice. And so because we wanted to be ready for God to uh, speak to us, we sold our house and rented so that we could 
up and go at a moment's notice when God called us. And when I look back on that, I thought, wow, I wonder if I would have the faith to do that today. Or have I gone, have I gone cold? Have I, have I accepted the status quo? But we knew that God was calling us. We knew we had to be ready. And back in those days, it took a long time to sell a house. And so that's what we did. We put our house and property up for sale. And when the two boys went and rented a small place so that we would be ready for the call of God. That's putting your money where your mouth is. That is trusting in the word of God to your situation and circumstance. And of course, in, in that situation, uh, God did open doors. Uh, within months of us uh, selling up our house and going and renting, God was working things out. And he was positioning various players and he was preparing for us to shift out of Hamilton and we came here. God did it. Jesus said that he who is faithful in the very little thing is faithful also in much. So if you take care of the little things, God will take care of the big things, the much in your life. Faithfulness in the little things demonstrates trustworthiness. And positions you so that the Holy Spirit can speak to and change your heart and your mind. And that's so important because as a man thinks in his heart, it says in Proverbs, so is he. Okay? Your destiny is determined by your character. And our character is determined by the sum of our habits. And our habits are the actions that we repeat on a regular basis. And our actions are determined by our thoughts. So if you can change the way you think, your heart will be changed. You'll be changing your actions and your habits and your character and your destiny. And by the way, feelings always follow thoughts, not the other way around. If you're feeling down, if you are feeling yuck, it's because you're thinking you're down. You're thinking yuck. And I've used this illustration many times, only because it's happened to me, that I've been blatting along the motorway, and then suddenly I see flashing red and blue lights behind me, and I hear the siren of a cop, and I'm thinking, oh no, my wife's going to kill me. I don't care about the cop, it's my wife that I'm afraid of. <laughs> anyway, so you, you pull over, and then the policeman goes flat out past you. And you suddenly realize, hey, he's not after you, he's after someone ahead. What happens? One time you're feeling down and the next minute you're feeling elated. Why? Because you're thinking differently. You're thinking differently. Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Okay, so in other words, the way you're living shouldn't be the way that the world gets you to live. But be transformed... How? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When the Bible talks about renewing our minds, it means changing our thinking from our way, the world's way, to God's way. And um, 
By the way, Carol, I had all of this already prepared before that post. That's, that's a private thing. <laughs> uh, when you read and listen to and soak in God's presence and God's word, then it'll help you align your thinking. Uh, it'll help you line up with God's way of thinking. And the, thing, and the way this works is that you read the word, you meditate on it, you're thinking, hey, God's word says this, but I'm thinking that. There's a gap between the way I'm thinking and what God's thinking. Uh, Lord, help me narrow that gap so that I think on this issue the way that you think on that issue. And that will really, really help you. If you change your thinking and renew your mind, you'll change your life and you'll change your destiny. And that's so important. So important. In a few, in a few weeks, Penny and I are going to be flying to Germany. I'm not interested in a good takeoff from Auckland Airport. I want Air New Zealand to give me a good takeoff, a good flight, and a good landing. All right? Crash and burn on landing is not part of my expectation. And in life, we need to aim to finish well. We don't just need a good takeoff. We don't just need good mid-flight. We need to land well. We need to finish well. And we do that by constantly working at aligning our thinking to the way that God thinks on issues. And to do that, people, you actually have to read God's word. Uh, probably half this congregation in 10 years' time aren't going to be with us. You would have gone somewhere else. You would have shifted uh, to another city uh, or whatever. How are you going to know if you walk into another church whether the minister is preaching God's word? You won't have a show of knowing unless you become a student of God's word for yourself. And people, I don't mind when you come up after the service and um, question some of the things that I've said. Because to me, it means you're thinking about it, you're searching it, you're working it through for yourself. And some of the big concepts take time to work through. But if I can encourage in one thing, be a student of God's word. Because as you get the word of God into you, he'll change you from the inside out. To change, we've got to keep on changing. We need to deal with wrong habits which come from wrong thinking. And we need to do what we need to do. We need to do what the Bible calls repent. Okay. Repentance is seeing your sin the way God sees it. And therefore, not only do you say sorry from being out of step, you have a change of heart and mind which results in a change in the way you behave. Repentance isn't just saying sorry for some dumb thing that you've done. It's changing. So you don't do that dumb thing again. Okay? Jesus said, repent. John the Baptist said, repent. Peter on the day of Pentecost said, repent. 
God wants us to think like him, have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God. Repentance is an attitude and a lifestyle. And every time my thinking and my behavior don't line up with God's word, then I've got to change. It's a daily thing. It's a lifestyle. We need to change our attitudes by aligning them with God's word. We need to grow in the way we view God, the way we view one another, the way we view life the way we view problems. We need to change the way we view things to the way God views things. Because if we don't view life the way that God views it, our thinking will be all wrong. And the way we act will be all wrong. Now, as we look around here this morning, unfortunately, I can't see anybody who is exactly like Jesus Christ. I can see bits and pieces. I can see elements But nobody here has got the complete package. And because none of us are perfect, in our imperfection, as we do life with each other, we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to offend people. And we're probably going to hurt people because of the imperfect, dumb stuff that is in us. But we can't live life harking back to our hurts and our offenses because those things are going to happen to all of us all the time. We've got to be be able to view offenses. We've got to be able to view hurts in the way that God views them. And that means we've got to be able to forgive. Otherwise, we get stuck and hurts, and offenses, and we view things through the wrong lens. If you are offended, uh, you will view life through the lens of that offense, and that will bring you to a different outcome than if you view life through the lens of God's word. In Numbers 13, God told Israel that they could possess the promised land. They sent 12 spies into the land to check it out. Ten spies came back with a bad report. They said, it's good land, but we can't take it. There are giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. But two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can take the land. The giants are bred for us. We can eat these giants with God's help. Now, how can ten and Two, be in the same crowd, look at the same thing, but come up with two opposite reports. They were looking through different lenses. It wasn't the giants. It wasn't the problems. It was the spies' perception of what they saw that determined their report and changed their destiny. Today, it isn't your problem, but your perception of that problem That determines how you think and how you will respond to that. When you view life through the lens of God's word, you will view life differently. You will think differently. You will act differently to the problems and your destiny will be different because your heart will be changed. The 10 spies who looked through their own eyes never came into the promised land but died in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb, who saw things through God's eyes, came into the promises of God, saw the fulfillment of God's plans for them. They 
finished well. So what's your giant this morning? Is it unforgiveness? Is it rejection? Is it abuse? Is it bankruptcy? Is it relationships? It is, your, is it your self-image? You need to view your giant through the lens of God's word, and then you will see things differently. We need to view our problems through the lens of God's word, through the lens of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask God to open our eyes so that we can see our problems through the Spirit, because when we do that, we will see differently. We will think differently. We will act differently. We will be different because we will see a situation through faith and not through fear. Every one of us have been hurt. And it would probably be disrespectful of me to say, well, get over it. But the reality is God wants to partner with you to help you work through these things so you can start to see those things through God's eyes, his situation certainly. And so we need to partner with the Holy Spirit in this change process. God's created us to become like Jesus. He wants us to grow to be like him. He has given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to change and to be change agents. My wife, bless her heart, has been trying to change me for 43 years. And although she's the most godly person I know, she can't do it. Her most powerful change weapon is prayer. She says, God, you work it. You change Don's heart. You know what? It's one thing to fight against your wife. It's another thing to fight against God. You have not got a show of winning. But I say that to say, hey, we desperately need the Holy Spirit to come in and to change. And usually that comes from recognizing that there are areas in our life that are hurting people. There are areas in our life that don't line up with the Word of God. There are areas in our life that really need to be changed. And we can't do it outside of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So we're going to say, Holy Spirit, come. Please come and just help me in this. And when we do that with a heart of sincerity, God works to change. That verse that I started off with, 2 Peter 1 verse 3, His divine power has given us everything that we need for life. His divine power, the Holy Spirit. He can help us. Do you think God wants you to change to be more like Him? Of course He does. So He's going to partner with you. He's just waiting for you to push the green button and say, yeah, God, I want to change. I want to be more like you. When we realize we need to change and we position ourselves for change, the Holy Spirit can change our heart and our direction in a moment if he needs to. I think 
one of my favorite verses. Probably there's two verses in the, um, in the Bible which are my favorites. Ephesians 3.20, which says, God is able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or even imagine. And then Proverbs 21 verse 1, which says, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Put your heart in God's hands. Put your hurts in God's hands. Put your difficulties in God's hands. Because he can turn it like water this way or that. And he can sort it out when you can't.